Mindfulness Mode 65. Mindfulness can only be experienced. It's not something that can be talked about. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy, along with some other entrepreneurs, to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Enjoy the book, Mindful Tribe. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Sheik on the line with us today. Hey, Sheik, are you in mindfulness mode? I sure am. Balance, love, and truth. I love it. That's great. Sheik is a spiritual entrepreneur who co-founded the Ottawa, Canada Lifestyle Center five years ago when he was only 20 years old. He's passionate about the process of inner and outer transformation, which has come about as a result of his own personal spiritual awakening. Sheik is currently preparing to embark on a spiritual pilgrimage, which will take him to India to spend time with his guru and spiritual teacher. So, Sheik, I want to dive right into your current endeavor, your spiritual pilgrimage. Tell Mindful Tribe what's inspired you to embark on this journey right now. Well, firstly, Bruce, it's a pleasure being on the, this podcast with you. I, I admire the work you're doing, and I admire the the individuals who've been on your podcast. So I feel myself coming in at this time is definitely to bring a certain spin or a certain spice to the to the matter when it comes to mindfulness. And, you know, much of my journey, uh, especially over the past five years in this awakening process, you know, really unveiled the depth of what mindfulness truly is and the, the depth of meditation and the depth of, of, of the space of infinite awareness. And, you know, of course, as you know, going through that process, you really start to uncover the deeper aspects of self and the deeper aspects of your journey and ultimately what is what is the destiny in which you are uh, choosing uh, within your free will spectrum and and how is that destiny unfolding of uh, you know for you in a means in which is of service to the highest good and so this pilgrimage for myself is really a, a catalyst into me stepping into um, this new phase of, of my journey you know much of this past five years is has really gone deep deep into the the healing process, the the the, the clearing, the karma clearing, the the inner inner space of coming to that 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 zero point where where that's when really life truly begins in in, in the space of of the the enlightened mind or the enlightened way. You have the same goals I do, taking this message to the mainstream, and I really admire that, Sheik. I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning when you first started speaking, and you talked about infinite awareness. Can you share with Mindful Tribe exactly what do you mean by infinite awareness? The the space of awareness, the space of experience, the space of synchronicity and all of these cool things that happen when you start to become aware never ends. And it comes into this infinite quest of broadening the awareness more and more into the things in which maybe you couldn't see before, the things that you were hiding under the rug or the blind spots in which you've been avoiding, or or the things in which are right in front of you and, and speaking to you and saying, here, here's your opportunity, here's your money, here's your spouse and your relationship that you're looking for it's right in front of you um these things start to become more aware and this is the idea of infinite awareness is as we deepen our process of meditation 
um, and and recognition, which meditation doesn't always need to be just sitting down and you know doing a typical lotus posture, but the space of continual recognition of that in which is that in which existing in front of you. This will bring you down that the path of of infinite awareness. So, Sheik, can you tell us what mindfulness means to you? I would say it's the space of recognition, the space of recognizing that mind is, of course, not you. It is the idea that as we come into the space of awareness, we recognize the slight, very slight separation of the you that you are and the mind and the thoughts and the emotions and all of the chatter in which exists. And ultimately, when we come into the recognition that all of mind is, is, is simply phrases upon phrases, language upon language, it is the analysis of the infinite and the analysis of all the existence in which we see in front of us in a bunch of phrases, in a bunch of words, in a bunch of things in which don't totally um, give the, the full meaning of that in which you're experiencing. So the base of mindfulness is coming into the recognition of that and not getting caught up in the illusion of mind just as it is and going beyond that and seeing the truth of, of what you're experiencing in your everyday life. Let's go back to your childhood, Sheik. I, I want to look at your life when you were a kid. Let's say when you were 10 years old, were you contemplative? What were the signals that you would inspire masses of people in your life? Well, it was interesting. You know, much of my childhood was was filled with, um, you know, a lack of understanding, not only from myself but from from other people. And I feel many people in the space of coming into this awakening process or coming into the space of growth, much of their childhood was filled with a loss of a lot of misunderstanding due to the fact that, you know, a the society was very different even just 10, 15 years ago. But more importantly, you know, the sensitivity in which many people experience when they're younger, the sensitivity to 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 thoughts, emotions, energies, uh, all of these questions in which are not being answered totally or or quite effectively, maybe by religions or 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 science at that time and things of this nature. So much of my life was filled in a very empathetic way, where I was extremely empathetic and I was extremely um, uh, inquisitive of what was occurring around me. Why were things occurring around me? Why am I feeling so many emotions all the time? Why am I piercing through people's you know lies or piercing through people's you know a surface level re- representation and seeing these things but then not knowing underst- or understanding how to communicate them when did you know that you wanted to work in this for your whole life that this would be the complete center of your of your universe well, ultimately, you know, I feel the process of going full circle is so important on the journey because, you know, it was around actually when I was 11, 12 that I was telling my mom that I wanted to be a priest mm-hmm. um, and no, no real understanding of why because I didn't really actually even like uh, church that much. Uh, however, there was something about it that was interesting. But it was after that when, you know, in my childhood, I was going through a lot of bullying and a lot of, um, you know, traumatic experiences in, in my family and moving all the time and all these things that really from that moment set me down a path. Of, of real darkness in the sense of, you know, going into a competitive fighting and martial arts life that, you know, taught me a lot of things about my body and my strength and my awareness and my abilities, but at the same time caused a lot of damage to the body, caused a lot of damage to my mind and my emotions and, and all these things. And, you know, going deep into various addictions and the clubbing life of the young, you know, adult boy and, and you know, business, which presented so many obstacles and anxieties. And so I really went down a depth of a dark, like a long, dark night of the soul, if you will. Um, which which really taught me a lot about the things in which I was not ultimately the things in which I knew that that deep down I did not want to be but because society because my ego because you know the pressures of things and my trauma from childhood
childhood made me think that I needed or made me think that I wanted. And so, you know, coming full circle and as much as, you know, we've talked about this pilgrimage, this has been a full circle process of me recognizing that much of the things in which I had done, I have done over the past, you know, 10 to 10 to 12 years, as much as it was necessary is unnecessary at the same time. And that's much of the messaging in which I have is recognizing that many people already know exactly what it is they're looking or wanting to do in their life from a very young age. And it's much of the conditioning and the things in which come through that confuse us, that can makes make us we want something different or make us think that we need something different and that was that was a big realization for myself so it's it's been there for some time but it was a long time where i completely forgot about it in a sense and on many levels right so did you grow up in a traditional church with your family you mentioned wanting to be a priest um, well, so, you know, my family wasn't too religious, although, you know, we did some of the, the Sunday, you know, the Sunday church uh, runs and things of that nature. And, you know, when I was when I was needing to when I was being bad or I needed something good or I wanted a, you know, a gift from the universe, I would pray. And, you know, the things of the, it wasn't a very strict uh, religious background, but there was always a tinge of it there. And so that that, that really did influence um, it to a degree. And so tell us about how how you came about to put together the Ottawa Lifestyle Center. Tell us that. That's been a, that's been quite the journey and quest. And, you know, like I had mentioned, you know, six years from around 15 or 14 to around 20 to 21 was um, a very intense phase of, of, of martial arts um, in my life and, and competitive fighting and really chasing what many see on, on television these days, this UFC or mixed martial arts dream. And so, you know, it started with boxing and then it went into some Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling and then it got into Muay Thai um, kickboxing and then it went into the mixed martial arts and it, it really evolved for me in many ways. And so that was, a, was an extremely intense part of my life. Um, and, you know, it was very promising in the career I had. But ultimately, there was a, a deep down rooted fear, anxiety that pervaded my experience in that, where as much as I won, as much as I had a lot of success, you know, I really didn't feel any more confident about myself as I tread that path. And I constantly question why was why was this the case? Why is it that I constantly just feel lesser even though I'm winning, even though things on the material seem like they're going well? And so when I had an opportunity to leave after I lost a couple of fights in a row, I, I kind of left it all and I, I ran away from it and I delved into, you know, um, the, the clubbing scene, the party scene, the, the drugs, the alcohol, all of that. And, you know, after a little while of that, I realized, well, my life isn't really going anyplace and I feel like I need something new, I need a new adventure. And that's when the entrepreneurship and business element came into play. Yeah, so I, I met a good friend outside of a club one night and, you know, he was interested in going into, um, you know, business and I was as well. And we had a, an idea to start, a, you know, a, a fitness kickboxing class. Um, you know, that went on our Muay Thai kickboxing, um, you know, background and gave us an opportunity to make some extra money. And so that grew extremely fast. And it was a lot faster than we had ever expected after starting in squash courts with a couple of people at a local university. And then ultimately us transitioning to deciding to get our own our own place, getting, um, you know, renting out a place for, for five years on a big lease and getting this money and getting, a you know, a new business partner for an old uh, high school friend that came in. And Ultimately, a couple of weeks before we were about to start this lifestyle center, which really was just at the time a fitness center with a little bit of nutrition and, um, you know, more of a kind of like a fun atmosphere. Uh, you know, my original business partner was kind of scared at that point, and we all were, but he he wasn't willing to take the step with us. And all, at the time, I mean, I, I thought it was the end. I thought everything was had crumbled under our feet and we were completely done. You know, I just dropped out of school. Same with my um, my business partner, my, my current business partner. We dropped out of school in our third and fourth year of university. 
and we were going all in into this. And so, you know, as we stepped into this next phase where we had no money, we had to pay rent with credit cards, we had customers in which had already paid us, and we really had no business experience whatsoever. This is when the real journey and quest began. Um, and you know, originally, like I had mentioned, the, the vision was just for a fitness center, just for this this fun place to get in shape and use the the martial art tools. But you know, really, this started deepening my quest into meditation because, of course, all of the anxieties I had when I was in the spaces of you know martial arts started to resurface. All of the things I had hidden, you know, with the drugs and alcohol or with the avoidance, started to really resurface. And this is when the meditative process really began for me, where I started going to meditation every night at the end of the day to really deal with the stress and anxieties of business. And of course, I had no place to live at, at, at this point, you know, after dropping into school on my, on my parents' dime, having a location, you know, that we had to pay $5,000 a rent, making only $500 to $1,000 a month um, and, and paying rent with credit cards. I, I had to move into our, our commercial space where I lived there for eight months with a George Foreman and a mattress. And this was my real awakening process. You know, there was a lot of help that came in here. My, my fiance now, um, who was my girlfriend at the time, came in and she was helping us with all of these admin things. And, and all of these things started coming very fast as I deepened this quest of, of understanding, well, what is this, this place? What am I really doing here? Why, why did it all happen like this? And started asking these deeper questions. And so the awakening process really unfolded to me for me very rapidly after having a, a really profound spiritual experience just three months into meditation, which completely transformed everything about me within a week. Um, I had got rid of all my clothes. I started going into three to six hours of meditation a day, uh, just reading, and, and, and the awakening process really, really took a hold. But the, the most important element of this over the past four, five, four to five years was really understanding what the vision for this center was. Like, why was it that I was doing this? You know, I had a lot of resistance to money in this time, you know, with the spiritual, a lot of spiritual people experience this resistance to money and structure and the typical society. And this was all coming forth for me. And so, you know, four years later, I mean, ultimately, the vision really came through. There was many periods of downloads and information and knowledge and visions of what this center was to be and what this whole collective, this movement we were creating was to be. And so, you know, as we step into this next um, campaign, which we're focused on creating this, 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 this quest of, for individuals, guiding people through their individual journey of transformation through our physical center and also some of the things that we're starting online. But the center itself is a holistic center that encompasses all aspects of one's lifestyle responsible for awakening their full potential. So that could start on the physical level with the martial arts and the asana-based yoga and the fitness and the movement and dance, but going deeper into the relationships and the, the meditations and the sound therapy and holistic nutrition, herbal therapy, all the different things in which really are, are, are a natural thing, but we're just coming back into this natural space. And so the Lifestyle Center is now transitioning into its real vision of this over this next you know, few months and the re remaining of the year. And we really root in as a central hub within the city for individuals going through their, their transformation. Um, so it's, it's extremely profound. The team we have is amazing and it's continually growing, a very young team, but very uh, old soul at heart, if you will. Um, so extremely powerful. Right. That sounds really exciting, really exciting, Sheik. And this takes us right into my next question, which is about surrender. It sounds like that's something that really came to you. And this is something many of us find challenging in our North American culture. But tell Mindful Tribe exactly what it means to you and how we can accomplish that. Well, you know, 
we need to start at the root of why it's so scary for us to surrender. And, you know, I think you know, ultimately the word itself, surrender, does trigger people because people, you know, associate the word surrender with giving up. Yes. They they associate the the nature of surrender with um, bowing down or 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 you know giving up your power. And th- I, I feel this actually comes completely to the fact that actually many people are already doing this. This is the resistance in which triggers people of why they get so defensive over this type of topic or resistant because many people have given up their power to. Maybe it's their 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 own problems and issues to a spouse, to somebody who is causing them trouble, their boss, their their government, money, all of these things in which they feel have power over them, they've given up in a sense. But surrender itself is much, much different than this. Surrender is the process of accepting. It's the process of sinking into the flow in which is already taking you. Like we must come to the recognition that life itself is already taking us. If we wake up one day and we say, I'm not going to breathe today. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay here in bed and do nothing. Like within a minute, you're already looking to breathe. The next minute, a fly is coming and you're swatting it and you're putting it away. The next minute, it's cold. You're bringing the blanket on. Life is already moving and it's taking you with it. And so we must come into the recognition of this and accept that our life is taking us. And if we come into the space of acceptance, what we're coming into is the space of accepting the nature of perpetual change. And the nature of perpetual change is extremely scary for, for the ego mind or the, the, the mind in which we've come to know. So the identity, you know, my name, my personality, my opinions, my beliefs, my house, my possessions, my family, my, 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 my country, my cultural representation, all the things in which we've identified with as us, as being us, in which we've attached to. Well, in the process of perpetual change, then that means, well, those things may need to change. You may need to let those things go for a new thing to come in. And so if our identity is so rooted in these attachments in which we have, the process of surrender is going to be extremely difficult for for somebody to to flow through. So the nature of of how this becomes more more easily available to you is really starting to, to, to look at what are the things in which I really am attached to. And this could come in a form of an addiction. For instance, like if I don't have a cigarette today, I'm going to feel really uneasy. Or if I don't eat a, a little piece of chocolate today, I'm going to feel uneasy. Or it could be in a, in a form of, of an individual. You know, say somebody in your family is not acting the way you would like and you feel attached to the way you think they should act. And this is causing you resistance. Well, this is an identity, identity crisis in the sense of you feel like this person is yours. And this person has to act in the way that you deem to be truthful. And this is, this is, of course, the doorway in seeing another aspect of an attachment. And so there's many ways we can look at this, but that simple awareness of recognizing, okay, I'm recognizing today that I got angry because this person didn't act this way, or I'm recognizing the fact that I'm emotional right now because I don't have my comfort food. I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing. And as we com- complete this process over and over, this is the space of an active meditation, if you will, that, that is in real time. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can go into more of a, a seated meditation where we can actually reflect on this and see, okay, I really have some work to do in these spaces of attachment because some of the things in which it's showing me, you know, maybe the cigarette not happening today was a sign to show me that I'm actually really supposed to start letting it go. And this is the space of surrender in which we can sink into once we, we, we recognize that it's there. I want to talk with you about bullying. You mentioned it already. I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. Tell us a story about how you were bullied and how mindfulness helped you get through it. Well, I definitely feel that, you know, over the past 
Well, you know, firstly, I feel like, you know, much of us come into the space of bullying when we're in, in our childhood. And, and, and this is so important, of course, for us to really communicate in those younger years the importance of unconditional love and acceptance and all these things amongst, um, you know, children. But of course, you know, uh, because of so much of that has happened in so many people's lives, you know, the adulthood is even more intense in the space of, of bullying. And the sad part is that people feel like it's an excuse um, because they're an adult, that it's not considered bullying or it's not considered as important or not considered as harmful as when you're in a child. And of course, there is some truth to that to a degree, but really, we're all in a sense getting bullied many times. We're all getting, you know, said things to us that is harmful, that we may not express as harmful, but deep down is, is hurting us. And you know, as I speak many times in, in the meditation classes that I run in, in the space of understanding the 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 reactivity, the reaction that we 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 tend to seek when we are bullying somebody, or the reactive reactive nature in which we have when we are getting bullying, uh, bullied. Sorry, and and ultimately, as I spoke about the nature of recognition, it, it it's the same rules apply to this. When we are getting bullied about something, ultimately, it's attacking our identity. It's not attacking the true nature of ourselves. So if we're if, if we believe, for instance, that we're amazing at soccer. And, and everything about our identity says we are amazing at soccer. Everyone tells us this. We know it to be true. We have all the posters, all the pictures on our wall, and we know ourselves to be great at soccer. And someone comes to us one day and says, no, you suck at soccer. You're not good at soccer at all, and I'm way better than you. Well, if you are so attached to the identity of you being great at soccer and you have this full ego about that where you walk around and you know yourself to be Corey, the amazing soccer player, well, then the nature of being attacked in that, in, that, in, that, in that way is, of course, going to feel like it's attacking you personally. It's attacking everything about you and your life. And so the, the natural response to this is attacking someone back. The natural response to this is curling up in a ball. The natural response to this is feeling uneasy and depression, depressive type uh, experiences in the emotional body. All of these things are, are illusions in a sense, but, but really truth in, this, in, the, in the viewpoint of your mind. Right. And so once again, if we can come into the space of recognition, recognizing that this is causing a reactive experience in me, this is this aspect that I've given so much power to when it's taking away, I feel empty. I feel unfulfilled. I feel emotionally distraught. Well, then this is this is an issue. This is something we must look at, because any time we're giving our power away to something, well, then whatever that thing decides to move or leave us, well, then we are going to feel unfulfilled. And that is something that we must really look at. So, you know, I, I did dodge your question a bit, I guess, in the sense of maybe a personal experience with myself. But, you know, there's been so many experiences in my life where I've 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 had such a strong identity to something and I've always felt the need to prove that, no, when you say I'm bad at it, I need to show you why I'm good at it. So when I was in fighting, I would punch you. Whenever I'm doing, when I was when I was in my ego uh, ego phase of meditation, I would just talk about more spiritual knowledge than you. And and it always seems to come up in any sort of identity that we have. Any sort of identity we have, it will always come back um, in a certain way. So it's 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 a way of lessening the identity, lessening these attachments. And of course, you'll find yourself in a space of if you know truthfully, you're amazing at soccer. We all see the, the, the great, humble, successful people, the people that do not need to prove that they're great, the people that don't need to, to say anything. They just know. So when someone says they're not great at soccer, there's nothing that even comes up because why would they even need to battle that if they're so deeply rooted in the nature that they know they're great? And that is the difference. You can think you're great. You can have the identity that you're great. 
or you can have the full knowing and inner capacity of knowing that you're great. And that, that the, the feeling of being made fun of or bullied will dissipate very quickly. Right. Sheik, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, Sadhguru is the, the, the guru that is coming to mind. I have another guru, Yogita Siddhanath, but Sadhguru was one I've had for uh, a bit longer before. So Sadhguru, he's an Indian mystic uh, running a company called Isha Yoga, which is a Kriya Yoga um, ashram and he has hundreds of centers around the world. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful practice. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Um, neutrality, balancing the emotional pendulum swing. That, that, is, that is what I'd have to say about that. <laughs> Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Everything. Breathing is prana, breathing is breath, breathing is energy, breathing is you. So if you're able to deepen your space of breathing, not only will you expand your inner bliss, but you'll expand the awareness of the body and being able to manipulate the body in ways that are, are for your, of your best interest. If you could recommend a book, Sheik, on mindfulness, what would that be? It would actually be a series of books in a gigantic a collection, which is one book. Uh, it's 18 books put together by James Allen called Mind the Master. Um, and as much as he doesn't speak a, a, a crazy amount about meditation, everything he speaks about it relates to it in many ways, in very practical ways. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Um, surprisingly, it would be Evernote. Uh, Evernote is a note-taking app, which I mean many people use, but that is my journaling uh, haven. Everything that's coming through where my mind's getting overwhelmed, I just unload it into there. So what advice would you give to a person who is completely new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I would say mindfulness can only be experienced. It's not something that can be talked about as much as it can be experienced. It's not something that can be read about as much as it can be experienced. It's not something that can be watched um, as much as it can be experienced. Experiences over all things. So podcasts of this nature are doorways, they're guides, books, videos, they're doorways, they're guides, but you must take the opportunity for yourself to sink into the space of mindfulness and give it time. It's, it's something that takes time, but ultimately when you taste just the slightest taste of the fruit, the fruit, the nectar of mindfulness, um, you'll be hooked. She, could you tell us more about your crowdfunding campaign that's related to your pilgrimage? That would be wonderful. Um, yes, uh, you know, much of the the, the the past entrepreneurial journey and quest uh, over the past four or five years, you know, has been rooted in, in a lot of, of, of sacrifice, a lot of understanding the nature of abundance through scarcity you know, making very little amounts of money, living in a gym, you know, having to ask for loans and help. And all of that really showed me the power in what people are willing to do when you are guided, when you are taking those steps, when you are, um, you know, really on a, uh, on a set mission and vision to better the lives of others. And the, the amount of help I've had over the past while, you know, has been so remarkable. And so, you know, as much as the business is getting rooted in more abundance and things of this nature, much of the money needs to stay in. We need to keep it growing and keep it sustained. And so I really use this crowdfunding as an opportunity, almost as a, as a, as a, you know, an experiment, a social experiment to see really, you know, the support that the community can offer in, 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 in when you really are focused on what you're doing. And, you know, for myself, I'm leaving on Friday, I still have a good amount, at least 3000 or so dollars more to generate, um, for the whole program and things I'm going, but I've already committed. I've already bought the ticket. I'm already stepping forward. And it was really as a means to walk the talk to trust that the universe will provide to trust that people are here to support you and so many people could call it you know too risk-taking or crazy or whatever but 
it, it, it is to really show that when you fully step and you step with full confidence, the universe will match you at every step in every way. So the crowdfunding is to support me in taking this first trip to India, supporting with the program and giving opportunity to stay there for about three weeks and really deep in the space of meditation. And then, I mean, from there, you know, worldwide workshops, online workshops, video courses, more podcasts, um, you know, more teaching in my local area. I'm, I'm ready to completely unload with everything that's been coming through me. So it's an opportunity for me to do that and a catalyst for me to do that. So the key thing with the crowdfunding is that all the rewards are exchanges. Um, I'm doing coaching. I'm giving people workshops, um, uh, life coaching programs, energy healing, things of this nature, um, teaching people mindfulness and meditation. So it's really more of an exchange, but um, it, there is many opportunities there for, for people to help out and, and get help in return. Well, it's fascinating talking with you about all of this. And I just want to ask you, how can we learn more about this? How can we get into the uh, website about the crowdfunding? How can we connect with you? So the crowdfunding is at uh, gofundme.com slash chic pilgrimage. Um, So chic, S-H-E-I-K-H-P-I-L-G-R-I-M-A-G-E. That's Chic Pilgrimage. And then um, connecting me with me on Facebook is the best method right now at uh, facebook.com slash infinite uh, chic. And the, the, for people that want to check out the Ottawa Lifestyle Center, if you're up in Canada or just want to connect with us and see what we're doing, that would be www.ayp.life. AYP stands for Awaken Your Potential. Um, so there's a lot of things that we're unveiling over the next little while, including a personal blog that I'll be documenting this pilgrimage and doing more videos. But I'm putting videos out every week, uh, insights, knowledge. Um, it, it's all there. So people have a lot of opportunity to connect with me. So Sheik, how old are you? I'm 25. That is incredible that at your young age, you're doing so much to share with the world and empower us as citizens of the of, of Earth to help us to connect. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's, it's just in a space of tr- surrender, surrender, surrender. It's it's. The the, the, the the mission is there. The quest is obvious. I know what was, needs to be done, and it's just full surrender and acceptance of that. Um, and, and, and that's what really has, has uh, empowered and allowed for all these great things to come to myself and the community around us. Well, it's been great talking with you, and all the best to you on your pilgrimage, Sheik. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much. Okay, bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.